Welcome to the discussion, Modernizing Government, Expanding the Impact of Federal Finance, sponsored by KPMG. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guest today is Nikki Reed, a partner at KPMG. Nikki, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having me. Let me set just a little bit of context for our discussion today. When Congress passed the CFO Act of 1990, their goal was to bring some consistency, some standardization to how agencies manage and report on their funding. 30 plus years later, the law not only empowered the CFO, but really transformed the entire federal financial management arena for agencies. Nearly every agency received a clean audit in 2020. I'm sure they'll do the same in 2021. Most have implemented strong internal controls and the CFO role itself has been elevated to the senior strata. Well, now it's time for the CFO's office to transform once again. Congresswoman Carol Maloney introduced the CFO Vision Act of 2022 in March. That bill would standardize CFO responsibilities to enhance strategic decision-making, provide deputy CFOs with sufficient authority to minimize the effects of CFO turnover, revise financial management planning by requiring the release of government-wide and agency-level plans at least every four years to gauge progress in addressing financial management challenges, develop a broader set of financial management performance-based metrics to determine the status and progress agencies are making toward achieving cost-effective and efficient operations, and strengthen internal controls by requiring agencies to rigorously assess key financial information used in financial management and decision-making. Obviously, a lot going on in that bill. Uh, in fact, Senator Mark Warner is expected to introduce a similar bill in the upper chamber, too, and he already reduced the bill in earlier sessions of Congress. But those bills take a long time to get through the process. <laughs> it could too. be years for all we know. So many ways what that legislation is doing is confirming and codifying what many agencies are already doing today. So then that's where my guest comes in, Nikki Reed, a partner at KPMG. Tell us how agencies are, are going to get ahead of this transformation, accelerate their transformation, and of course, improve their financial management efforts. So uh, Nikki, let me start maybe at the beginning here. The role of the CFO obviously has changed. The finance function has changed over the last 30 years. Talk a little bit about what you're seeing and, and how that evolution is, is, is happening and has happened. Absolutely. Well, I mean, wow, it's just so insane to think that the CFO Act happened over 30 years ago. You know, it seems like it was so much longer than that, right? Because so much has, has changed. And, and I remember, you know, more than 20 years ago, starting my career in, in federal finance and just being completely overwhelmed by the amount of data that there was to manually go through and, and make decisions with. And oh, by the way, also, there's that much more uh, data sources from which that data comes. And so just thinking about, you know, starting as, a, as an associate all of those decades ago to where we are now, where data, there's still work to be done, but data is much more streamlined. Uh, it's, it's a lot easier to, to make decisions now in, in the CFO function. You know, you mentioned earlier that the, the CFO Act did a lot of things. It really changed the trajectory of finance in the federal organization. But, but I think there are two big things that it did well and, and did a, a lot for to, to change the trajectory. Specifically, as you mentioned, it's requiring all of the agencies to, to, to produce financial statements and then ultimately have them audited. And then to your point as well, it also really just somewhat credentialized even more the, the CFO as, as a strategist, as, as, a, as a, a resource in the executive uh, levels of the organization to really drive change. And I think those things are, are continuing to elevate and evolve the CFO function for, for all agencies that we work with. You know, one of my favorite clients says all the time, she, she, she said this coin and I've, I've this, this phrase and I've now adopted it for myself. It's essentially that the CFO organization has and will continue to move from being an enabling function to being an empowering function. And to me, that is literally what all of this is all about, really going from 
nuts and bolts accounting, to being a, a purely compliance-based organization, to being someone that's focused on operations, to really empowering mission areas and, and, and leadership in these agencies to, to make strategic decisions. I think the, the piece of that's key is, is the enabler. And we talk about technology as the enabler all the time, but now we're talking about, and I've seen the shift maybe over the last 10 years or so, data as the really biggest enabler. Mm -hmm. And you, you mentioned at the beginning of, of, of your, your, your discussion there, what's the difference between the data today than it was in, in 2000 when we started, you and I together, I guess, yeah. started looking at this about the same time. <laughs> is it better data? Is it is it more data? Is it the technology behind the data? What What's different? All of the yeah. above, all of the above. I mean, listen, again, we have a long way to go. I mean, we're, we're still, uh, catching up with with some of our counterparts in the in the commercial arena, but but I'm very proud personally of the progress that the federal government has made with respect to data and technology. Um, again, you know, in, in in prior decades, the the data was was very dispersed. It was coming out of multiple different systems, and quite honestly, the the quality wasn't there. You, you couldn't tell if what you were looking at was accurate, if it was even for the period that you were thinking that it was related to. And I think now, due to a, a lot of the, the CFO Act, there's just such rigor around the quality of the data and really, if you will, tracing the data to, to the business system and making sure that what's ultimately coming out from a data perspective um, really relates to the activity, the business event that occurred. And that's not an easy task, um, but I think with the tools and, and the access that the CFO function now has, it's, it's making it a lot easier. We've seen several pieces of legislation over the years to try to address that. I know, feels like 12 improper payment acts over the last <laughs> year. Senator Carper, I think, has written on most of those. We've seen the Data Act itself. Absolutely. How much uh, has that also helped influence kind of where the government's been going with their financial data and understanding what it is, where it's at, standardize it? Is, is that, I know it's played a big role, but, but do you Absolutely. also kind of hang... No, for sure. And listen, I'm a consultant, so we have tons of tons of buzzwords, right? But but I have to pull out two of them, which is transparency and accountability. And that is that is what these these acts, you know, IPERIA and IPERA before it, uh, Dead Act, as you mentioned, the Gone Act, the Great Act, all of these, <laughs> all of these acts are really about making sure that your data is is accurate, it's sound, and that it's telling the story of of where you are today. And and. Yes, you know, you would like to think that organizations in themselves would, would just make these decisions to make sure that your data was accurate on their own, but sometimes you need a push, right? So, so having an act and, and some compliance to really drive that as a requirement has, has done wonders. And it's more than just a push, I think, as well, because it's easy for, we're humans, right? right? We, we, we all kind of interpret things ourselves. So yes, federal financial management should be, what is a general ledger and what, what goes into a general ledger? Well. You could say, well, these seven things, I could say, well, these eight things. And, and somebody's got to say, well, no, we're going to go with these nine things or, or whatever it is. And I think that that's what these laws and the effort by the financial management community has really changed. And that's part of that evolution. That's why the data is better. Yes. I, I don't know if you want to pick up on that or I, I was going to go down the path. of. No, please. All right. So so one of the things that I think we, we you also mentioned was the data is becoming that enabler. What are you seeing from that enabler? How are how are CFOs and, and others in that budget and management side of the office, um, not OMB itself, but the agency <laughs> one, uh, driving those decisions through the data? 
Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, we have really smart people in, in the CFO organizations. So. Yes, they, they absolutely, the absolutely. They have to be, right? Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes you, you make decisions just based on experiences. Sometimes you, 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 you make decisions just based on, you know, gut feel, right? But, but really, in this environment, you, you have to make decisions based on the data. And, you know, I, I think one of the most interesting things that I'm seeing a lot of our clients do today is, you know, there's one thing to look back at historical data and say, okay, for the past 20 years we've done this, so um, you know, let's let's assume that it's going to to happen that way again. But with all of the change that's happening in in our in our government in our world, you know, sometimes history isn't always um, a, a, the the only predictor, and so. Having some of our agencies really embrace and leverage predictive analytics as an example is, is something that I am so excited about. Um, when you think about the impacts to cash, when you think about the impacts to receivables, and you think about you know, the impacts to, to how, from a budget perspective, the government needs to make decisions, being able to leverage sometimes non-quantitative or, or, or more so qualitative aspects of data in that decision-making from a predictive standpoint is, is eye-opening and amazing. So that's, that's probably the biggest thing that, that I'm seeing our, our clients start to do, and it's, it's great. There's a huge thread to pull from there. Let me start with that maybe this one is, what does that mean when you say predictive analytics? Let's maybe define that a little bit because a lot of people say, well, I use AI, and, and then they go, well, actually, you, you don't use predictive <laughs> analytics. But so, so maybe let's define what you mean in the financial world. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so predictive analytics, it, it does leverage historical data. So I don't, I don't want to, to, to paint the picture that you know, history doesn't, doesn't, isn't involved. Um, but predictive analytics is essentially the process whereby you use the information that is available to you to predict something that is going to happen in the future. Um, there, there are different ways to do it. There are different tools out there. Um, there are different methods and methodologies. You know, you, sometimes you, you lose statisticians or economists or, or hardcore data architects. Um, but it is, it is truly leveraging quantitative and qualitative information to inform decisions that will occur in the future. And I think the history piece is really important too because what agencies can see is, okay, during July we usually spend this type of money, but it's trending differently this time Absolutely. based on what we've seen so far. So how do those two match up? Where are a lot of your clients at when it comes to using this? Is it beginning stages? I know everyone's different, so blanketing is hard, but but what's the sense that you have? Yeah, I would say I would say for the most part, a lot of them are in the beginning stages. I mean, listen, we, we still are trying to make sure that the data is clean, right? And and in order to leverage it for something like predictive analytics, you, you, you have to make sure that, that your input is, is accurate. So I think a lot of our agencies are really focused on that aspect of it. So, so I would qualify it as beginning stages because we're, we're still really making sure that we can make these sound decisions based on the information that we have. And quite honestly, that it's being captured in the way that we need it to be captured. You know, there's one thing to have general ledger data. There's one thing to have vendor data or customer data. There's another to have geographic data about your clients that bought something in, in 2012, right? And so some of this information that, that may not typically be financial really does help and impact predictive analytics. And so working with our clients to figure out, okay, what types of data sets do I really need to have to make sure that this analysis is accurate? You mentioned this idea of clean data, but we have to be, I think it's important to be clear as well that you can't let the good be the enemy of perfect or perfect be the enemy of good either. Sometimes Absolutely. I've heard time and again, you have to get started on the data you have. Absolutely. And it, it almost will clean itself up. Are you seeing some of that happen too, where, 
where clients, whether public sector or private sector, maybe their data is not great today, but six weeks it's a little better and eight weeks it's a little better? Oh, 100%. I mean, I can think of an example right now where you know we're supporting a client. Um, they're going through a major transformation. A lot of their work, they're trying to assess, should we move from a general fund to a working capital fund model? Well, in order to be in a working capital fund, you have to have a lot more insight and detail about how you're spending your money to develop whatever product or service you produce. And so in doing that, they have to have a lot more insights and information with respect to their data. And so they are doing exactly what you just described. They're realizing, listen, it's not perfect, but we have to start. And, and they're getting in. And the great thing about this organization in particular is that in doing so, they're, they're using visualization. They're using data analytics. And oh my goodness, how easy is it to see where you have holes when you have a chart right here that you see every day that tells you, oh man, this shouldn't have been charged in that, in that month. So, so I agree wholeheartedly with you. You know, the key is to get started, um, but you also don't want to, you want to be, um, you know, accountable for, for tax dollars and make sure that you're spending it in the right way, right? So, so have a plan, have a strategy, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as, as, we, as we further the discussion. Um, don't just, you know, jump in. Make sure that you have a plan and a progress and, and that the rest comes, comes from there. You also mentioned uh, the idea of uh, charts and dashboards and, and visualization tools, and we're going to get into that too as well, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to take a quick break. We come back, we can continue that conversation. My guest today is Nikki Reed, a partner at KPMG. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to the discussion, Modern Government, Expanding the Impact of Federal Finance, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network. Is your agency feeling the pressure to modernize? A new app isn't enough. Becoming modern requires rethinking the way you operate. At KPMG, we help agencies optimize their business functions, enable the workforce with digital platforms and tools, and protect critical assets from ever-changing threats. Meet current and future mission requirements by continuously improving and constantly adapting with KPMG by your side. To learn more, visit kpmg.com US federal. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion, Modern Government, Expanding the Impact of Federal Finance, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Nikki Reed, a partner with KPMG. Now, Nikki, before break, you mentioned the two key words of this entire discussion, plan and strategy. We know, because as we mentioned at the front end, the CFO Act has been around 30 plus years. No agency doesn't have a plan for financial management. They definitely have strategies. We've seen those. What are you seeing from your from agencies? How are they kind of taking those plans and strategies that have been around and evolving them to include this modernization effort to really be move, move from the compliance side to the enabler side? No, oh, awesome question. And I, listen, I think I think the biggest change that's happened over the year around the strategy aspect is before when everyone was just racing to to be auditable and 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 there was this this almost. 100% focus on compliance and operations. It was very year by year. Um, I think a lot of agencies felt like, okay, we have to get to November 15th <laughs> and to get this audit out and, and then we'll start over and think and think later. I, I think today it, that agencies are, 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 at least the CFO function of the agencies are following the, the broader agency and thinking about five year strategic plans and, and really trying to map the CFO org and their mission, their vision, their strategy to that of the organization. And, and one client that I'm thinking of in, in particular, I've, I had not seen this done um, before, and I, I will tell any client that asks me going forward that it is absolutely genius, is from a transformation standpoint, they actually had a joint operation with the chief financial office 
as well as the chief strategy office. And so it wasn't just a CFO or finance play. There was actual accountability and responsibility on the chief strategy office as well as the CFO. And they jointly go at this transformation effort together. And when I tell you that it is game changing, I mean that. I mean, you know, the CFO has power, obviously, and, and so they get the attention of the director as well. But when you have both the chief strategy office and the CFO coming in and, and demanding certain things, um, it's, it's, been, it's been impactful and, and amazing. You know, from a, from a KPMG perspective, uh, we really look at transformation in what we call dimensions. And so any advice that I would give um, any person going under a transformation, but specifically for, for CFOs undergoing financial transformation, is that you have to look at all aspects and all dimensions of, of your transformation. The first one is service delivery model. And by that I mean, you know, really understanding how in, in the way that you deliver your services. So that could be, are you your funding model? Are you general fund? Are you working capital fund? That could be your service level agreements. Do you have shared service providers? You know, it, it could, it, it's anything that enables you to operate effectively as a finance function. Um, the second would be obvious, people, you know? It's a, it's a people organization. Yes, we use tools, but you need people to, 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 to make that activity work correctly. And so really focusing on people, making sure they're empowered, that they know what their job is, that they're trained appropriately. All of that has to be a, a, a real aspect of transformation. The third, we've talked about a lot already, data. You know, making sure, as, as we mentioned before, that your data is clean, but that you're also taking chances and, 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 and moving forward and leveraging data to make really good decisions. We'll talk about this in a little bit, but technology is, is the fourth. I'll save that for, for, the, for the next discussion. Um, and then we've also got process and policy. Um, you know, I know most CFOs are very, very familiar with process cycle memos and process narratives and all of these things that go with controls and, and internal controls uh, documentation. Um, but, but your policy and your process should really be foundational to what you're doing to ensure that you have consistency and that your teams are doing things right. Very closely aligned to that, you've got your, your enterprise risk management. And then, of course, at the foundation of it all is, is, is your program and change management. So those dimensions, you know, folks really need to embrace if they're really going to have true strategy and true change. So the two, let me connect two things. Absolutely. Let's connect people. And let's also connect process because okay. I think one of the changes that I've seen over the last you know four or five years, and I had an interesting conversation with a former CFO at an agency maybe a couple months ago regarding this is is the people are being empowered and then the process and the technology are being changed. So where something like robotics process automation mm -hmm. is an example, the CFO world's picked that up in, in, in a way that was surprising yes. and empowering. It, so I guess my question is, it made sense for this for them to pick up something like an RPA, but it's also getting the people in the right spot. What's what's happening first? Are you seeing the process changing and then the people catching up, or the people changing, or people driving the change? What are you seeing? You know, I mean, that's that's an interesting interesting question, and that the I think, or the egg. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, you... I've definitely <laughs> seen it both ways, and honestly, I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer. I mean. Uh, my personal opinion is is that in order to enable people to do their jobs better and, and to focus on, we'll call it the value add activities, you have to 
you have to let them move away from the, the from the operational things, which means you have to get the RPA or, or the automation or whatever tool you're creating to help them do those things. You have to get that in place first. So so I would say, you know, work to to, to make the, the systems and the tools and the applications do the things that um, are more operational in nature, more rote, more repetitive, and allow your people to do what they do best, which is be strategists, to, to, to think about what's coming next and, and, and really bring, bring the agency forward. The other piece of this, of course, is you have to understand the, the, the people side because people are used to, well, I take from this spreadsheet and I put yes. it in that spreadsheet and that's what I do all day. And so, okay, you're not gonna do that anymore. What? Like, like yeah. so there's that cultural change is happening. And, and that is always, 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 whether no matter what we talk about in government world, is, that's always the hardest thing. Are you seeing examples or can you think of anybody who's handling that culture change well? I, 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 yeah, I, I can. I can absolutely. And, you know, we call that swivel chair, right? Where you're taken from one spreadsheet and going to the, to the next. And I mean, you mentioned it, you nailed it. Our, our RPA and intelligent automation, you know, all of these things are, are enabling that to be done. And it is scary, right? I mean, change in any respect um, is, is, is scary. But I think the agencies that are doing it right are, you know, taking that last dimension that I mentioned, which is, you know, program management, change management and communications. They are making that a part of the transformation. You know, so many times we've seen in the past where organizations maybe didn't do transformation as well because they they skimped on the change aspect, they skimped on the communications aspect. But again, this is a people business, and if people aren't bought in, and it's not the great a great tone at the top, and they don't understand this is being done with you, not to you, it it will not succeed. And that was a, when I talked to that CFO. That's the one thing that they said, which was the people drove the, the move to RPA, but we also pushed it down on them. So it was a combination. So let's talk about technology a little bit because you, we cannot not have a conversation <laughs> in the federal world without little technology. So we talked a little bit about RPA and, and intelligent automation. Uh, we talked a little bit about data. You mentioned visualization tools. What are some of those trends you're seeing in the world of financial management the, of, of them adopting certain technologies and how they're adopting them and, the, and moving to that enabler? Absolutely. I mean, business intelligence tools, we're, we're, we're seeing a, a ton of, of even just you know your 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 standard accountants really embracing the use of tools that allow them to analyze data faster i mean you know no one will ever stop using excel right and occasionally you'll see some some access but 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 some of our our our, our government counterparts are, are really embracing the use of of more um, effective tools to to analyze data um, you know, obviously there's, there's large scale implementations about, you know, hardcore financial system uh, implementations that are, that are still going on today. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, yes, you know, there is a push to go shared service um, provider, but there still are agencies that are, you know, truly implementing new financial systems. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm really focused on these technology enablers. So the, the low code, if you will, low dollar applications uh, that allow you to really manage your data in a, in a, and manage decision-making, manage workflow in a more effective way. Um, so, so there's tons of applications. I, I, I won't name them, them all, um, but I've seen lots of agencies really, again, embracing that um, holistically and, and, again, not pushing it down on their employees, but helping and walking with them and training them so that they're empowered to leverage it as well. I love the fact you brought up low code and no code. That's been another huge change because 
financial folks and, and really mission folks and everyone else yeah. who aren't in the IT world, I can't, I can't do this coding thing. Yep. No, now you don't have to. Exactly. It's the old, I don't know if you remember early days of HTML, they had these um, HTML uh, programs that you didn't have to know how to code. You could just say, I want to have red and it made red. Yeah. So uh, I think I think that's what we're seeing too. Uh, you, you didn't mention cloud. Let's maybe touch upon the cloud a little bit. The cloud services, the software as a service, uh, that's where a lot of these low code platforms live. Absolutely. How are they embracing the the, the, the cloud? They, <laughs> the cloud. <laughs> they, they are, they are. I mean, you, you have to, right? You know, uh, On-prem is still available. It's still important. It's it's still you know something that that we have to embrace. But but cloud is the future. Um, you know, obviously from from a government standpoint, there are some requirements that a lot of these uh, applications need to make sure that they're employing. You know, FedRAMP, for example, some of the NIST uh, requirements. Um, but I think with all of that aside, you know, cloud in itself is something that the CFO absolutely has to empower. And and again, you know, thinking about this new way of working in the virtual workforce, it's, it's, it's even more imperative to, to have your information available in that way. And the other side of the coin is not just the financial management modernization that's happening kind of on the back side, meaning the systems that, that, that give that data out and provide visualization. It's also there's a, there's a huge technology factor in, in driving decisions. You mentioned predictive analytics, you mentioned business intelligence. Is there an acceptance among the, the CFO world to, to take in this, this these tools and use them, or, or is there a hesitancy? Because the financial management folks, that's not what they do, right? I mean, that that's the, the perception that's probably very wrong. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I have yet to meet a, a, a CFO or, or a director or a section head or a branch chief, you know, any any layer of any authority in, in a finance organization in the federal government that is, you know, kind of giving the Heisman to, to, <laughs> to any of these opportunities. So I, I think I think we are ready. I think I think honestly, we have no choice but to be ready, and 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 we will be left behind if we don't embrace it. So I think that's the key word you said, no choice, because it's like with anything else, technology is moving Absolutely. folks forward. And you got to take advantage of it because driving that decision, the Excel, you hear uh, folks talk about accelerating the decision process, and I, I think that's it's part of it. Uh, Nikki, before I let you go, I, I can't not not talk about the big thing. Part of the CFO Act and part of the federal financial management is the compliance piece. And there's a lot of mandates that, that kind of fall on the shoulders of CFOs. How do they find that right balance with driving decisions, being the enabler, but also meeting the compliance goals? Absolutely. So, you know, th there, there are, are two big changes that are just top of mind for me right now. Um, one, I think everyone um, is, is very familiar with, with this G invoicing. It's around the corner. Every agency needs to in embrace it and, and leverage it and use it. Um, so, you know, I, I think those are, that is one of those mandates that, 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 you know, everyone saw coming, but now that it's here, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit unnerving. Um, and so my suggestion would be just if you haven't embraced it and, and not just as a, as a compliance, you know, that you have to be on G invoicing in order to IPAC your trading partners, but really there's a lot of good things that can come out of, of leveraging the, 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 the applications that come with G invoicing. So I just, you know, wholly hope the CFO organizations out there are, are taking this very seriously and, and, and putting all of those transformation dimensions, this is a huge transformation around implementing G invoicing. And then another one that's that's coming, it's a couple of years out, but it's the, the new leasing standard. And, you know, it's, it's following in the footsteps of commercial and, and, and then state and local from a GASB standpoint behind it, but it's, it's coming to federal and just really understanding how that will impact your organization 
um, I, I would highly recommend CFOs start to think about that as well. All right. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time for today, so I can't ask you a ton of follow-up about G-invoicing because <laughs> I have followed that with the, our friends at the Treasury Department, but uh, we'll do that another time. Sounds so good. let me thank my guest. Nikki Reed is a partner at KPMG. Nikki, thank you so much for taking well, the time. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the discussion of Modern Government Expanding the Impact of Federal Finance, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network. I've been your host, Jason Miller. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search KPMG. Thank you for listening to the discussion, Modernizing Government, Expanding the Impact of Federal Finance, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network.